Good morning. What's up, man? <laughs> Jordan always looks at me like, you know, you're going to get this thing going? <laughs> yeah, nah, I mean, what can I say? It's been uh, quite the month. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what month it is, right? It's March. Yeah. You know yeah. what that means. March Madness. <laughs> but I think what's interesting is that the March Madness this month has gone beyond just the uh, NCAA brackets, you know? Right. Um, Go Wolverines. Right. Go Wolverines. <laughs> Boy from Brooklyn. <laughs> Red, <Go>. Dawn. <laughs> Red Dawn. Red uh, Dawn. Yeah, no, it's definitely gone beyond the NCAA tournament that we all know and love, I guess. Yeah. Nothing best represents America than uh, college ball. <laughs> what a bunch of uh, athletes getting screwed! <laughs> bunch of hardworking. <laughs> no one told you when you were in high school. <laughs> bunch of hardworking youths getting screwed. Only, only the strongest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, a crazy month, and I know as the time of us recording this, it's like the last week of March. Right. And a lot has happened in the last two weeks. You know, we had the March for Lives. Right. We had um, the Stormy Daniels interview, which I've yet to watch. I've only read the headlines. I almost feel like it's not really worth my time it's to watch. N- I don't think it's worth your time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watch. It's not like the State of the Union, which had so much gold. You know. <laughs> um, and uh, we had the, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica uh, situation that's still very much in the front page of the news right. um, to the point that Mark Zuckerberg is going to be testifying to Congress. It's going to be juicy, man. <laughs> anyway, can you imagine him sweating with his eyes all like bug-eyed and him, you know, <laughs> He's just I'm, such I'm, an I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner and a patriot, <laughs> which is why I'm here today. I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg would call himself a patriot. <laughs> um and what else do we have, man? Uh, I guess the uh the Austin stuff, right? Yeah, and the Austin stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how the Austin stuff hasn't even it hasn't even been more than like two weeks. Yeah, no. You know, um, and I don't. I, I think I think the the media that I, listen, I think the media actually, from a very objective standpoint, did as much as they could to cover it. Granted, the criticism over not labeling the guy a terrorist because he didn't do this over right. quote-unquote ideology is is an issue, it's a problem, and I think the media needs to reevaluate that. But what just, I, I think, I think what's, what, <laughs> but what's alarming to me is the fact that, it, like, this is a, an act of domestic terrorism. Like, right. Like, there's no, like, a, a, wall didn't stop, a wall didn't stop this. Right. You know, um, you know, scaling down on immigration didn't stop this. Right. You know, this guy wasn't a DACA, you know, <laughs> recipient. Like, so I don't know. You know, I did he spread Paul Ryan? Where are you in <laughs> in, in 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 all of this, man? I'm just saying, right? Did he spread like terror <laughs> throughout Austin? Yes, right. The, the man is a terrorist. Like the acts he committed were acts of terror, right? But you know, because he's you know doesn't have brown skin and a long beard, all of a sudden he can't be a terrorist. It's, it's ridiculous, man. But again, this is not something that's you know unfamiliar to us, right? Right. Like, you know, Oklahoma City. You know, right? It was a crazy guy, right? Right. But you know, well, Trade Center, a bunch of terrorists, right? You know, right. Um. Anyway, we're get we're getting real uh getting dark here real quick. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I guess maybe I'll start with Stormy Daniels, man. It was like so. I just want to talk about Wild Wild Country a little bit. Ooh, yeah, we should definitely. I'm get only like I said, I've only finished the second episode. Right. Um, and I kind of have a very strong idea of where this is going. Right. Um, it how hap- it happened in real life. So, I was I was saying to you yesterday, right? Not yesterday, earlier, like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> that so for those that don't know, Wild Wild Country was about a. I guess like I don't necessarily want to label them a cult. Yeah, it's funny it, they it's, they like a lot of people are quick to say this was a cult. Yeah, like, it, like eh, was it? Yeah, no, and it, the interesting thing too is that the way we define a cult, um, 
the delineations I really I feel are like very getting like hazier and hazier. Right. Um, because by all means, like Scientology would then be a cult versus a religion. Right. Mormon Mormon Mormonism, excuse me, <laughs> Mormonism. Hypothetically, could be interpreted as a cult. Right. You know, um, any like like splinter Christian group that doesn't fall in the the you know the the larger orthodoxy of say like the the Catholic Church right. or um, Protestantism would hypothetically be a cult. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily label Jehovah's Witnesses a cult any more than a Mormon. But one could. But one could. Yeah. You know. Um, the difference, though, obviously, is that a Jehovah's Witness. I know. I know Jehovah's Witnesses that pretty much are like like you they pretty much fit into conventional american life it just so yeah, happens yeah, that I, they i went to school like i remember like finding out a kid in junior high was a jehovah's witness and i was like what right. oh you're one of those people that come to my door yeah did he want to talk to you <laughs> he did want to talk to me. did he want to talk about to basketball did he want to talk to you about did he want to talk to you about <laughs> <laughs> our, our savior he's like can i talk about our lord and savior and I was like, what's come that? Inside. Do you want to come inside your house for about <laughs> half an hour? I was just like, what's the deal with the Watchtower, man? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't necessarily label them a cult. And it uh, people kind of quickly did. Uh, the Rajneesh, right? Right. Rajneeshi. Right. And, um, but it's just, oh, man, it's just such an interesting story. If uh, Netflix is just, you know, once again, knocking it out of the park, and this is a new yeah. docuseries, if you guys aren't familiar, called Wild Wild Country. And actually, the uh, the Duplass brothers are behind it in some yeah. I think they, like, produced it. And it's crazy because, though I was very young when this was happening, um, I still thought would have figured it, like I would have heard about it at some point. It's yeah. a story I just absolutely have no idea about, yeah. I, or had no clue about until this documentary. And I, one of my, one of I think maybe it was partly um, sort of overshadowed by like the Jonestown stuff, and you know, oh, yeah. I guess you know. who the connection between Jonestown and Rajneesh is actually really really interesting. Right. Um, for also for those that don't know. Um, there was a senator, an American senator, that was killed during the Jonestown like confrontation mm -hmm. that would set, later set off the uh, the suicides. Right, right. The daughter of that senator ended up becoming one of the members of the right. Rajneesh. So immediately, people were like, "Oh my God, her daughter, his daughter is in a cult." And yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just a very interesting story for, on on several levels because it's like the fact that like something this big had happened had occurred and like uh, you know a lot of people have, I guess forgotten about it or um, but also just like sort of the look at sort of American politic politics oh, yeah. through this lens is very interesting. Yeah, you know? I mean the messed up thing about the twenty sixteen election and even I would even say like Charlottesville twenty sixteen election right. even leading up to it. Um, and I'll go into that momentarily, like, like, but just the value, the value that it added, like, in terms of like, like, um, magnifying all this stuff. Like when we talk about mutant American values, I guarantee you most of the, most of the general public in like 2015 didn't care or like they weren't, they weren't studying like Waco, Texas as an allegory for, you know, yeah, you know, but like <laughs> now you're like, wait, actually... Waco, Texas had huge ties to like American separatist groups. Separatists have like a huge, huge ties to like oh white national identity. Right. White national identity is what Charlotte, Charlottesville was basically predicated right. on, right? And that's what's like crazy, right? So, what's even more interesting about Wild Wild Country, and I said, and I said this to you earlier, is that if you didn't, if you watch it a certain way, if someone told you that this was like a parody, right, right. like a really dark parody, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is interesting, right? right? But you're watching this and you're like. Yo, this all really happened. So, not this, not you know. Spoiler alert! And I'm, once again, I'm only on the second episode. Literally, this this uh, it's like a group of hippies go from that to being labeled a cult, right? To be eventually becoming like what is essentially like like an armed militia, <laughs> right? right? Um, Somewhat of like an Oregon powerhouse, <laughs> like they were like right, right. And but what's crazy is that it's like. You know, when we talk about, like, okay, this, what's the solution for guns? More guns, right? It's literally, like, in some ways, like, this is exactly what happened, right? right? They felt threatened, right? And just and just to be clear, 
Oregon has an extremely racist history. Like, there aren't as many, like, um, black Americans living there. And because of the state's racist history, a lot of people left that, left Oregon. You yeah. know, even though it was a northern state, um, it's still very much like it's this, 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 you know, redneck-ish state. I mean, uh, was it uh, uh, Tanya, Tanya Harding? Uh, the former figure skater and subject of the biopic <laughs> I Tanya. camper. Yeah, <laughs> uh, subject of the biopic I Tanya was a native of uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, and when you're watching the trailer, you see all those like the visceral imagery of like of what happened to like Middle America in right. this in this town. Like, you realize that just like says it all, right? Oh yeah, I mean Tanya Harding was from Portland, Oregon. Oregon. Everybody's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, she was kind of positioned as like the kind of like trailer trash girl that came right. up. Like she yeah. was like the Eminem of, of. I of, knew that. I just forgot she was. She was the exactly right. <laughs> That's all that I Tanya needed was yeah. you know. Yeah, right. Um, Lose yourself. <laughs> it's funny how Eminem's career, even though he had a great career before Lose Yourself, right. our career is like, when you think of like, it's um, like that's it. when you think of white struggle now, you think of Lose Yourself. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tanya Harding was from Portland, Oregon. And if you, even if you look at like the trailer, it almost doubled as like an episode of Roseanne. <laughs> you know, like her mother's like smoking like cigarettes and like wearing like Carhartt jackets. And, <laughs> right, right. Right. Like she got a shotgun coming out of the yard. <laughs> wearing like, Carhartt jackets. I wear a Carhartt jacket. Hey, only Jordan. the str- only the strongest. That's right, and literally because those jackets are fucking strong. <laughs> uh, actually, the, you just you mentioned that. That's another thing that happened here at, towards the end of March. Man, Roseanne had two episodes. Two yeah, new, two new episodes. Two new episodes, which uh, I enjoyed. Uh, I feel like we maybe we'll we'll go into Roseanne maybe yeah. a little bit later. But I mean, I'm I'm curious not about to go it. off topic here. Um, but yeah, man, uh, just to get back to Wild Wild Country, it's no, it's true. And it's like it's part of me was watching it and seeing like these people sort of come into this small town in, in Oregon, Antelope, right? Yeah. And like sort of jostling these people and like, you know, you know, people who probably had some racist leanings, right? <laughs> and at part of me was kind of like, you know, good man. Like, give him, you know, give him a. Yeah, but even like the reaction from the townspeople is like, you know, we're good Christian Americans. We don't believe right. in any of that crazy, hoo stuff. You know, right? It's just, but they're quick to be like, look at these crazy people dancing around, and it's like, yeah. hey, listen, man, I'm not. You know, I I dislike a hippie as much as the next guy, but <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> but like, I'll skin a hippie, no problem, Jordan. <laughs> But I'm just saying, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't care if they move it. You're like, what, you know? Well, so here's the thing that I found really interesting about it, right? Was that as I'm watching this, right, the first thing that came to my mind was how, how different is this from gentrification? There are parallels. They're not the same thing. Right. They're definitely not the same thing. No. But look at the reaction to the people that are quote unquote natives of antelope. Right, it's not a far cry from individuals like myself and you, right? right? And even on my side, right, coming from from East Flushing, you know, the influx of 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 Chinese from the mainland has like you know like boomed over the years, right? right. So, you know, if you're like a native of New York, a native of Queens, native of Flushing, and see that see that stark change, right, literally like within the last like um, decade or so, right, right, it's a little alarming, right? Um, if you are from like a, a neighborhood like Bedford Stuyvesant or from Crown Heights, right, and you're starting to see this huge influx of these of these leftists with their new age philosophies and ideas, and their and their and and their and their so hot yoga and their yeah and their and their and their, <laughs> and their propensity for for things like like hot yoga and 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 and, and, and double and lattes double lattes <laughs> and kale smoothies and and you know how they took over that that coffee shop in Antelope? You saw how they took over that coffee shop? Sorry, yeah, same, does it remind same, you anything? Remind, does it remind <laughs> you of anything? Right. And it's almost symbolic because if you think about like when people joke around about gentrification, the first thing they talk about is, co- is those coffee shops. Right. That's like the first thing they talk about. See, the thing with Flushing though is that we haven't seen the coffee shop takeover. Right. right. I mean, I've seen some hip ones here and there. A lot of it was like real estate that got flipped around or turned around. But it wasn't like, okay, we had a bodega there and it really was a really huge part. Right. And now it's a Joe and the Juice. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, I mean, we there was one that it was like, um, it became like a deli and then became like a, it was a, de- it was a deli um, grocery store and then became a coffee shop. But I think the woman that owned the coffee shop 
um, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, so I have to research this a little bit. From what I've been told, um, it was a strong likelihood that the family either didn't want to continue doing the store, or she may have some affiliation with the family did that, that, that owned the store, okay. right? So, like, it was just real estate that just kind of, like, passed, passed around, right? Um, it didn't change, like, the, the corner store across the street that someone got shot in front of. I kid you not, this is, like, I'm, I'm really referencing 162nd Street right now, <laughs> right? Didn't, that didn't stop the shooting in front of, one, on, in front of the, the corner store, right? So what I'm saying, though, is that it's, like, um, those iterations of it, like, how you see it now, where it actually, like, had, like, a, this, um, uh, it was almost like it's, like, a, a ground zero of, like, um, effect around it, right? Where, where this right. coffee shop opens up, and then everything around it starts to slowly change, too. Like, yo, the reactions of those ta- those townspeople in Antelope is like strikingly familiar to like pe- native New Yorkers when they start seeing these things like go right. right? Um, it's just sort of the motivations behind the 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 townspeople's reactions are like different, and that's just you know like. Well, here's the thing: no one in Bed Stuy when like like no one in Bed Stuy was just like you know what let me let's start like shining flashlights in like their houses and like you know like walking around <laughs> right. like like um you know because obviously we're not like a we're not a carry we're not an open open carry state right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. um but you know like the, the people in beds that have to take it out and uh you know in city council meetings now and right. you know work with like legislators over like what 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 happens you know right but like i just I, the motivations are a little bit different right it's like so I feel like Antelope was like, all right, uh, like a lot of those citizens were like, look at these weird, like, a lot of them happen to be, you know, you know, dark-skinned people, and like, what are they doing here? And then look at this crazy... Well, the thing. leaders were, but the people that were representing them... But that's the, th- but that's the thing, is so if the leadership was white, it may have been different. Right. I'm not going to lie. So... um And it's not even just that. It's like, look at this different religion. Look at the... Right? They're not Christians. Whereas here, like, let's say the Rajneesh came into uh, Greenpoint, right? And They're not <laughs> in Greenpoint? <laughs> what am I doing with listen, myself? As long as they left <laughs> Peter Pan Donuts alone, I'd be all right. <laughs> um, uh, right? For example, like if the Rajneesh came into, like, into Greenpoint and they were, you know, because when the Rajesh came in, right, all they wanted was their land that they purchased and to do what they wanted on their land, right? They weren't going to do anything else. They weren't going to touch on antelope. They weren't going to touch antelope. That was never a part of their original mission statement, right? And to be honest, they probably would have brought some, you know, prosperity to the town because, like, people... Yeah, within, population right, influx. Right, right, like, right. We'll, People we'll within would have would have been buying stuff outside, right? Right. They, if they did that in Greenpoint, I feel like people would be like... All right, that's cool. You know, for the most part, you know, it's cool. You're bringing in money. What happens with us in gentrification is that, you know, these these outsiders move in and just push everyone out, right? And they push businesses out and they push but, the, but the native. But didn't the Rajneesh kind of do that a little bit? No, they didn't do it until they were pushed. That's my point. Is they but bought- they did open that hotel. Right, they did. They still started buying property up. No, but they don't. But remember, they only bought that property after they were pushed. They right. bought that. Okay. The only property they bought was that farm that was untouched. Nobody had owned it for years. Right, right. right. Sixty-eight thousand acres, whatever that was. Right. That's what they wanted. When everyone came at them and stopped them from doing what they wanted to do on that land. That's what triggered them to do everything. You see what I'm saying? They, right, had, right. They, had they left them alone and been like, "Hey, you know what? They can do what they want on the land that they purchased rightfully." It might be a different story. Right. They were pushed a different way because of different motivations. Right. From from the townspeople, I feel like here, you know, if you come in and you immediately start buying up and pushing people out, that that's a problem. Right. That's not necessarily what they were gonna do. Right. Uh, I can't believe I'm like defending Narajni. <laughs> no, but it is. In- it's really fascinating. It's, it's really, it really is fascinating. And um, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Oh yeah, how yeah. Sort of how you can see, yeah. look at it as. This. Hey, I'm not even like, like I guess I, there's so many layers to it. I mean, the fact that they were like ready to like do farm farming agriculture on land that was unfarmable before, right? Right. And on top of that, they had essentially built like like a socialist, like self-sustaining socialist, like commune if right. you will 
like they were able to produce their own goods. They were able to like you know they they had a uniform if you yeah. will you know what I mean like in like it's almost it's crazy because when you think of like um, a socialist fascism right you had to wear the same thing all the time you had to wear your you know your your beret all the time like you're like man this is like messed up and you get basically get drilled on military discipline nonstop this was like the almost opposite where it's like yeah you have to wear the same, the only thing you have to do is wear the same uniform all the right. time and not even the uniform right. it was like just wear that color oh just wear that color wear yeah, you want. yeah they look like target employees right <laughs> exactly. right and <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you cracked it. <laughs> Another socialist institution. There you go. Um, they, they, they just wear the same color, and they did everything within the boundaries of the law, right? You know, and then, but what's crazy is that when they start to get pushed, right, based on like mutant American values, they push back, and like I said, they go from literally like a, a quote unquote cult to a, a like a, a like almost like a militant group, right. And, you know, they start embodying those those values, but it's like, you know, once again, who are the outlaws in this, right? <laughs> right. Who, are, who are the, who are the, uh, who are the good natured outlaws in this, you know? And part of you is just like, yo, those, those natives of antelope, I feel where they're coming from because it's like, how would you feel if people, just, they, but then the other side of you is like, yeah, but all those, all the motherfuckers is racist and shit. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, possibly descendants of Klansmen, and now that same mentality is trickled down into like how you're treating like, like a, like, essentially like a new age religion, exactly. gr- religious group. And then their response to that is to be like, "Yo, we get to, we have, we have the rights to do whatever y'all are doing to us, right?" right? And then it's just, like I'm watching this like. But who's the good guy in this? <laughs> right, I don't know who, who to root. You, know, who, you know what I mean? And it's funny because the doc, the docu series doesn't really know either. It's kind of like, but that's actually good. No, right? no, it's great because they're like, it's very like in the middle of the road because it's like they're giving you like these guys and like you'll see later like this sort of like which one's the, the Rebel Alliance? <laughs> right. You are a traitor and part of the Rebel. <laughs> no, uh, like you'll see that um, like. Like some of the townspeople have like these bit bit of a, like a heroic moment at points, but maybe some of the Rajneesh like you don't know like it's just kind of it's awesome, but like the Rajneesh were like chameleons, man. They yeah, they, they were. it's like if you push them, they were like, oh yeah, no, we'll get some guns. All right, we'll get some guns. What you want us to get into politics? Who's we'll who's funding? Who who's arming the this this militant group? <laughs> <laughs> Where are the guns coming from? Oh man, it's fun. like like listen, they ended up doing a lot of wrong, and I'm not trying to like defend. The rush, oh yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like people were pushed in in, in certain directions, That's right? It. And it's uh, it's interesting. If if this hasn't <laughs> made you want to watch this series, I don't know what will. Yeah, get out there and watch a Wawa country. Absolutely. Um, um, I guess my homework is I got to finish the rest of the series, and then right, after man. this, we're gonna probably talk to some other folks about. Mutant American values and wild law country, but piggybacking off of that, you know, given all the stuff that took place in the last few weeks, um, I remember you and I sat down with a colleague of mine, Insano Ahmed, a editor in Brooklyn. Yeah, and um, awesome dude, awesome guy, and he's Muslim American, Bangladeshi American, and you know, he had some thoughts on everything from the the Texas bombings to Cambridge Analytica, to Cambridge Analytica, Analytica which I think this might be like a multi, a multi conversation. Yeah, I think we might get a two parter out. Of yeah, this I think one. we get a two parter <laughs> out of this one. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's hear what he had to let's say. Let's hear what he had to say for sure. Cool. Um, the strongest. The strongest. Um, the strongest. The strongest. So we spoke to my friend Insanol. Uh, my name is uh, Insanol Ahmed. Uh, I'm a editor living in Brooklyn, uh, but I'm originally from the Bronx. Um, and yeah, you know, I write about music and uh, have many musings about uh, many other topics. I'll be honest, he's one of the smartest guys I know. <laughs> Let's stop right now. The hype train um, is real right wow, now. Wow, this is. You want to know what incident? He's never said that about me, man. And I'm his partner. Come on, man. Come on, man. I kiss you on the cheek in the morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 okay. Mafia oh, style, so you know, oh, like, so, so it's it's masculine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
anyhow, so uh, I guess like just to take it from the top again. It's like this last week, the last two weeks, right? Right. The last two weeks have been full of all these like um. It's like an insane time to be paying attention to the media, right? And the reason why I reached out to you and so was because, quite frankly, like I value your opinion, but also you you always have some insight mm-hmm. on this, right? Whether it's on your own personal feeds or whether it's um in person or whether it's over you know a few beers, right? Mm-hmm. I know you always have an opinion on a, about a lot of this stuff, and especially after the 2016 election, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess like taking as a starting point, why don't we go into your background a little bit and um kind of explain like you know what you're how you feel how you felt about everything post uh post election in regards to media and politics and then we'll connect that to uh the recent events in the last few weeks mm, okay now, he threw you a, a softball there apparently yeah, <laughs> yeah that was quite that was quite a, a broad stroke <laughs> question there. But no, I, going like, easy on him, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you can you can interrogate me you know, like you're Anderson Cooper, and I'm you know Stormy Daniels, so I'll take <laughs> the interrogating questions. There we um, go. No, but you know, I will say, you know, in general, I watched, you know, just talking about 2016, and you know, you said, oh, it's been an interesting time for the last two weeks. Like, it's been an interesting time for the last two years. Yeah. yeah. Right. And this is going back to you know, for me, I mean, even in 2016, I was like. This shit could really happen. It didn't to me. It didn't seem that unfeasible that Trump could win, even from the beginning. Um, it it seemed like a joke at first, but like once he secured the nomination and once we saw what happened with like the GOP convention, to me it was like, no, this is in totally in play. And you know, I think it it really struck me at one point. I remember this is like in the summer of 2016. I went on a tr- I was on like, you know, I was hanging out with one of my coworkers and she was talking about. Oh, well, you know, a lot of my, she's like, I think from like Connecticut. And she was like, yeah, you know, I was driving there. I had to go see like my grandfather or something like that. And like, you know, they just had all these Trump signs, but you know, that's like Connecticut. And I'm just like, dog, Connecticut's supposed to be a liberal state, yeah, right? Yeah. That's supposed to yeah. be a Hillary state. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you know, rural Connecticut is just all Trump's. It's like, yo, bro, like there's a lot of people like this. And like, you know, and it's, it's funny uh, at that time, I just, you know, I always thought of that Winston Churchill quote, like, you know, you can always expect Americans to do the last thing after exhausting every possible option. <laughs> right, right? right. Right. And it was right. like, we hadn't exhausted all the possible options. This is, was literally one of the options for us to right. like elect this kind of person. It's um, funny coming from Winston Churchill, who I know. who has a very problematic <laughs> past. <too. laughs> yes. Winston Churchill, who is like a total racist asshole. Too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to a lot about like the, the movie and how like he's characterized as his hero. And he's kind of almost like the, what Christopher Columbus was to like, yeah, to like Latinos. That's what he was to like. South Asians. Yeah, right, totally. Exactly. Absolutely. I had a friend who was, uh, I was going back and forth, like on Messenger about that. And then it's like, and then I started watching, uh, if you're not familiar, Oliver Stone is a series right yeah. now. On yeah, I've seen, I've seen that oh, series. Yeah. Yeah. story of uh, America or American history. Mm-hmm. And he goes right into that, right? Yep. Like, how, <laughs> you know, so it's just kind of, it's kind of weird how like, all this is sort of just kind of like, re- not that it's ever went away, but it's like kind of resurfaced. Right, people right. People who are like, Churchill's this amazing guy. And I was like, Wee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just Thank going you, back. Oliver Stone. Right. And I, now I have to apologize to like all my British friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But come on, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, to go back to 2016, like I said, even like I remember the days, just like a couple of days before the election, I was texting with my dad and I was like, yo, like, he's gonna win like this is really gonna happen and we're gonna be totally screwed and he was like nah look it's gonna be close right. but Hillary's gonna win and I was like dog it's gonna be close think about it he should have been down 50 points right exactly. Right. it was like it should have never been a race right. um, to begin with and the fact that it kept going to me was like no this is really gonna happen and you know at that time all that stuff looking back on it a lot of stuff didn't make sense to me and now it's I explain almost all of the things I was feeling through Russian interference. Right. It makes a lot more sense because I would be on Twitter as, at that point. Like I was on Twitter so much, like just every day getting into these arguments and like all these accounts would like start responding. And then I was I'd already started suspecting like these can't be all people. These must be bots. Right. And right. now it's right. like to me, you know, and I think most of the like the more like political junkie, junkie people I follow, like you can spot a Russian bot so easily. Right. They're all the same. It's always like, you know, like Jordan. Number eight six seven eight five four three two seven eight nine. It's like every single account right, is right, like right, that. Right. They all have like and like you look at their feed and it's like they made their account like last month or like in the last two weeks. Right. And every single tweet is about politics. They've right. never tweeted about anything other than politics. And it's like 
this is so obvious. But at that time, you know, the fog of what was going on, it was so unclear. Right. And now kind of, you know, being a little bit removed from that, it all seems so very obvious right. to everyone. Um, but, you know, that's the other thing that I'm feeling right now. Uh, I would say to go back to back then is it's a lot of like a lot of it is deja vu. It's like, right, right. oh, we found out all this stuff about Facebook and data. It's like we found out that five years ago. Right. We found out about right. Facebook, you know, even their connection to Trump two years ago. We knew this stuff. Right. You know, that's the thing about all. of, And especially now, I mean, even today, particularly, there was a lot of stuff that happened you know, in the news with, you know, related to Trump with the Mueller investigation. There was a couple of items that came out. The, um, you know, they had, they've, they've gotten, they're like, they're in the red zone of collusion now where they've proven like Rick Gates had a contact that they knew was a Russian spy. And it's like, we're almost right there. Um, And so did Manafort. And it's like, it's, it's getting closer, but it's like, I knew all that stuff two years ago. Like, I could have told you that two years ago. Can you imagine the Oliver Stone biopic that comes oh, out dude, of this? It would be well, epic. well, first, first of all, all, it's going to happen. <laughs> first of all, Oliver Stone is a Putin apologist. And oh, yeah. Oliver Stone's oh, yeah. son works for RT, the Russian uh, uh, the Russian know. network. See, he went on, uh, I think it was Letterman, no, it wasn't Letterman, but one of the late shows right. um, in 2016, and it was defending Putin. I mean, remember, he did the Putin fluff interview. Right. Like, yeah, he's I mean, in the Oliver pocket. Stone has many issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, you know, just like Steven Seagal. <laughs> just like Steven Seagal. <laughs> you leave that. I'm great, glad you understood that. You leave that. <laughs> you leave that great American. I, I look forward to Steven Seagal being our like Secretary of Defense in like six years. Yeah, but that's because he makes a lot of money in Russia. His movies are very popular there. Yeah, yeah. you know, we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> the, <laughs> Steven, Seagal, the Steven Seagal. Seagal the Steven Seagal analysis is actually pretty. That would be a great episode because he's essentially like. We'll we'll touch upon this at an, another another like point. The <laughs> fact that like Steven Seagal loves Putin is like, right. It's just like Chuck okay. Norris. Like, like, exactly. yeah, yeah, Chuck yeah, Norris yeah. is like a Fox News main time exactly, contributor. Right. I mean, the guy did Walker Texas Ranger. I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, but but all of that goes to show you the thing that's happening now with Trump and I guess around the world. It's not this foreign new thing that just got invented in the like the last five years or like just because of Facebook, just because of Twitter, like this stuff existed in our culture in the like sort of on the outskirts and the fringes for the last like 30, 40 years. One of the things, you know, we talk about media, especially too. like I go back and like sometimes I watch a lot of old shows and stuff like that. And there's so much old Trump content that shows up all the time. I was watching season three of the wire and, you know, me and Jordan love the wire. We talk (laughs) about the wire all the time. Oh yeah. And, um, one of the things in season three is like, you know, they have the names for the drugs and like one of them, they're calling it WMD because that right, was like right. the Iraq war time. Right. But one of them, they're calling it Trump Tower. That's what the <laughs> drugs are called. They're like, oh, got that Trump Tower. Like you can hear it in the background right. of an episode. Um, I was watching, you know, at some point I was like rewatching a Sopranos episode and like um, the whole show is about Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because or Chris Christie in, in one season. Um, <laughs> Interchangeable. I think in season three, when they like do that HUD scam. Um, and they have the doctor buy some property and he like right, buys right, the property right. and he's like, Donald Trump, eat my dust. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like Trump now. And then later when like uh, his wife, uh, uh, where Carmela is trying to do her spec house and, um, you know, Christopher uh, Caesar and he's like, oh, you're like Ivanka Trump now. Right, like, right, you know, right. like um, and the thing that actually resonated with me the most is when they talk about HUD in the I think this is in like season four or something. And, you know, Tony's actually like, he's like, well, let me just say one thing about like, you know, federal money. He's like, uh, I think Dick Cheney should be president of the universe. And it's like because it's like this rampant corruption. And right. like, that's what we thought rampant corruption was. 15 years ago like the level of corruption now is like it's totally a joke it's like beyond any level like you would have ever imagined and it's so that's the thing that i find really eerie and frustrating of now everything is taken for granted um i was talking to another one of my coworkers today who i you know we discuss politics a lot and he was you know i learned a lot about politics from him too and um you know he was me and him were the ones who really got onto like the russia gate stuff we even had did podcasts about it first like we this is like right after the election like this is what we got to talk about this is what is gonna be the thing and you know i was talking to him today i was like on slack and stuff and um you know we were talking about stormy the stormy daniels thing he's like you know i don't really think that's gonna move the needle and i was like a president having an affair with the porn star is not going to move the needle is where <laughs> right. we are. Like imagine, imagine this happened five years ago to Barack Obama right. that it came out. He was having an well, affair oh with the porn star. It would have been, been the end of the after, world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I even look at the double standard that we put against like democratic uh, mm-hmm. presidents mm-hmm. versus like Republican yeah. ones. Like, Oh, I mean, the, like, but, I mean, even like with, Wait, don't get me wrong. The whole thing about Clinton and ethics when it mm-hmm. came to Monica Lewinsky was mm-hmm. blown out of proportion, but I mean, it was something that people were asking for. Right. right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to say, I'm going to sit here and like justify it and go. Right. 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 But like, 
think about what what it took for them to get the point. Okay, there was an intern. Right. You know, he came on to her. Ultimately, it just was a waste of the taxpayers' money. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And he got impeached. Right. Right. We act- they actually had impeachment hearings over this. <laughs> right. right. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a porn star that, like, had sex with a guy who's a now president. Man. A married yeah. man who, like, was thinking about his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally, and it's, and it's weird. Like, this is the thing about it, too, is that I think it's dangerous and, and really concerning as time goes by is after a while, it's just kind of like normal. It's just like, oh, well, another scandal. Yeah, another like, thing. Okay. I know, I know. The, the thing that's, uh, and it's not shocking, but, like, it, the people who turn the other cheek now, like, you know, the, the other Republicans who, mm-hmm. who would have torn down, Obama, right? Who would have <laughs> right, torn right, down, right. who did tear down, Clinton, right, right? Right. But not even just that. Like all these like sort of religious leaders that have been like, oh yeah, just proven to be frauds. Right. Now it's like, oh, it's okay. You yeah. know, he cheated. He cheated on his pregnant wife, but it's it's all right. Yeah, I would, no, no one's even saying a word. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, oh well, you know, we, we'll forgive him because that's what the scripture teaches us. He right. didn't ask for forgiveness. He get to do that exactly. So what are we talking about? <laughs> Anyway, all right. So I watched yes. the interview, by the way. Still, I mean, it was, I, I actually was, didn't even watch it. You, yeah, neither re- did I. Actually, I, yeah. I mean, full disclosure. The only reason <laughs> my fiance and I, I and I watched it is she had to watch it for work. Oh, I see. So, and it was like it was like a circus, man. Like I just couldn't. Yeah. Like I, I could feel my eyeballs rolling into the back of my head. I was just like, this, <laughs> well, yeah. well, we'll get to that. I know you have some topics lined up for this. <laughs> I think we'll get to the, this. Is one of them. So yeah. yeah. So like to to fast forward to, to today. Um, I remember I do remember sitting on election night watching it happen and just being like, you know, stunned and sort of devastated and, you know, um, watching it. But, you know, I told myself, like, we got to fight it and we got to stand up and start doing it. And, you know, that largely has happened. I wouldn't have thought, you know, you know, in in just the past few years. You know, we had both the Women's March just a couple of weeks ago. We had the Parkland, you know, the March for Our Lives. And right. a lot of people are showing up. And, right. like, people right. are ready to go um, in a way. And people are more engaged in a way like our society really has never yeah. been. Um, is there a single interview you can think of that you watched the way you watched Stormy Daniels, like in the Obama era, that was, like, politically related? <laughs> can we name one? No. Like, you know, I mean, I read more news now than I've ever read in my yeah, life. I, know, I read news I know. every second of every day. Yeah, that's right. probably you know? true. Yeah. So. Yeah, Every time I just see Russia, the day we knew we should do a podcast, I came in, right? And like, he's at his desk, he's at his, he's, I'm talking about Joe, if you're listening, right? He's at his desk, right? He's got his um computer open, right? And I'm like, yo, what's up, man? What you about to do? He's like, you know, I'm about to watch this Comey, Comey, Comey testimony. Comey testimony, yeah. 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 I was like, <laughs> no, it's true. Yo, and the fact that we're, it's like 11 o'clock in the, in the <laughs> morning. Was, that was hysterical. And buddy. our whole, all, you know, same, I mean, you know, at yeah. my office, everyone was watching it. We were all on like talking about it too. Like yeah. openly, like, how could you not watch it? It was riveting testimony. Right, yeah. It's riv, and it's weird. Like we were watching C-SPAN basically, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, who would watch C-SPAN? But this is where we are. We're like yeah. the C-SPAN nation now. Right. Um, I mean, it goes back to the question that I initially posed in like the email. Like, do you mm-hmm. agree with the notion that the current administration may have actually galvanized the next generation of progressives by going backwards? And I guess like the more opinion element of it would be like, do we think that's a good or bad thing? Because like, you know, Steve Bannon has a certain perspective on it that's mm-hmm. really, really like dangerous, but like it's almost like unapologetically true, right? What which is, is that? Which is the notion that okay. You need chaos, right? He's like fucking the Joker mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in The Dark Knight. Chaos. Chaos is what's going to like bring about change, right? So we could either proceed with the most racist, openly racist administration, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> openly racist administration. And not just and racist, backward, but incompetent. Incompetent, backwards. Backwards, like everything bad, yeah. Um, in, in, in American history, and it'll go one of, one of two ways. Either... They get everything they want. They undo Obamacare. They 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 re- reestablish America as like a white nation again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it galvanizes those progressives to actually like fight them to the point of like fighting to the death in a way that they usually get criticized for not doing, right? right? They're not complacent anymore, right? Uh-huh. So for a guy like Bannon, I know I'm kind of paraphrasing Bannon, in yeah, a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But his idea of like this is that it's just like. There's no losses for him, right? It's like right. no losses yeah. because it's like you're now, yeah. Like he want he wants the white nationalist state, right? But yeah. he's just like you know what? I'll I'll test these guys out. So who's got the stronger war chest, if you will? Yeah. Right. So and and I guess like once again, 
do we find that a little alarming? Is that something that we should absolutely? I mean, dude, like this is what I mean. Like the framing of this question, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, we'll have an all-out race war. Do you find that alarming? Right. Like, do that... I find it alarming? <laughs> what do you mean? Look, uh, like, hey, Charles Manson thought it was. A... No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, I mean, look, Bannon. I will say to his credit, does do that calculus, and he's not wrong about it. I see. I do see where that, like, where he's going with that. Like, oh yeah, who has the bigger war chest? Let's have an all-out war. Right. Who's gonna win it? It's like. Crap, I don't have any guns. Do you? Right? Yeah, I know he You is. know who has some guns. You know who? I know some people who have some guns. So, yeah, look, I, I will <laughs> <Nobody>. say, <laughs> I will say the thing, the, the ultimate thing about this, yeah, look, to, your initial question is will it galvanize the younger people and all that? I do think it has, it right? Has, this right. is our point, the women's right. march, the, what we've seen with March for Our Lives. But to your point, like, yeah, like those people, they don't, they, the left in that way doesn't get violent in that way because they're not built like that, because they're actually interested in civic discourse. The right is more and more proof they're not interested in any type of civic discourse. Everything that they were about before, which right. is the morality stuff, they've thrown that out they the window. Out the that window. was yeah, that yeah. we always knew it was a fake, but now we know a hundred percent certain, right? Nobody's Everything. like shocked. Yeah. yeah, no one's shocked, but now it's you still can kind of like, damn, they did it. They threw it to the wind. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So then uh, that's on the one end, like, and you talk about like, yes, look, the thing that authoritarians need is chaos, because in times of chaos. That's when authoritarians have more power. It's like, right. oh, no, we need martial law. We need to declare it because, you know, this is, I mean, you know, it's funny. I was, I was, you know, looking at, um, you know, I saw a CNN thing about like Trump's approval rating is like higher than it's been in a while. It's like at 40. It's, again, that's insane. It's right, at 40. Right, it's right. insane. But, you know, it's at 40. And I was like, I actually ended up on Gallup. I was trying to look at like comparative rates. And I was actually looking at George Bush's rates. Mm. Um, and his one was like, you know, he was at like 45, 50. He was like going. And then it goes to 70. And it's right after 9-11. It just right. goes to 70. Yeah. Because, and I remember feeling 9-11 like, you know, you know, I was in Manhattan. I was in school, and like, you know, they shut down school. And like, you know, my uncle picked me up. I went to his house. We, you know, the city was a mess, right. and we were just waiting, like, uh, you know, um, at my aunt's house, like watching TV, just like, like, yo, like the president needs to say something. And like, he came on, and I remember he gave his thing, and you know, he quoted the Bible, like right. in the Valley of Death, and all that stuff. Um, but it was like comforting. It was like I need somebody to tell me something right now, right? So, for you know, for Bannon and Trump and all these guys. Well, when we have a chaotic moment like that, and there'll be a mo some kind of moment like that, right? What do you want? You want your president, right? You want somebody to tell you something, right. and that's the moment where authoritarian's power is super high. It's funny because we've had little moments, and I feel like he hasn't sort of stepped into that position that they want him to, like mm -hmm. say, like uh, like Vegas or something, like right? That. And he's yeah, kind of he's, he's spoken, yeah. but he hasn't really like you know come out and been like you know, we must find these people, whatever you know. So maybe that moment will come. Hopefully, like nothing but, but, crazy is going to happen. But so. to his point, that moment was Charleston, right? That is the coming out party of the white supremacists. Right, yeah, and yeah. what was his his response? It was, well, right. both well, people, you know, both sides, both. very fine people, right? Yeah. So again, and that also, again, just sort of confirmed all the stuff that we already knew was true. Right. But it was like, yeah, he feels he feels more for the Nazis than he does for, you know, people who don't have health care. Right. Like, what? Yeah. You know, but... The, the thing I'll say about all this, like I said, like as time goes by every single day, he accumulates more and more power. And you see, like, you know, he fired another person today. It was like the, the VA secretary. They're going to replace mm -hmm. it with his personal doctor. But it's like, you know, I mean, John Kelly's going to be gone in a few weeks. And he'll, he'll definitely try to fire Mueller. He barely has a legal team. Right. But like this is what authoritarians do. All of this, this aspect is not that you have all these people around you and that, you know, you have this team of rivals like, you know, Obama had, you know, you have, have a captain. You don't have anybody. It's you. You're the person right, in power. You are the, guy you are the dictator, yeah. right? And that's where he's headed. And that's every day he gets a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And it's like, despite that, has he gotten weaker or has he gotten stronger? I'd say he's probably gotten stronger. Because no matter what, he's not any closer to being impeached. He's not right. any closer. Regardless of even the stuff with the Mueller stuff, it's like he breaks the law every single day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we all accept it. No one's ready to go into the streets and start this war tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So then where, where are we at? Does the law even matter? He flouts it every time. And mm -hmm. he's been doing it for four. And again, it's not new. He's been doing that for 40 years. He's been telling his contractors, fuck you. I'm not going to pay you. Right. Yeah. Oh, you want to sue right. me? Take me to court. Okay, right, cool. Right. I'm going to counter sue you on some bullshit. I have more money. I'll outlast you. Yeah. Now, I mean, look, and that works when you're like a rich billionaire asshole. It's not as effective when you're the president and you're trying to be the, <laughs> you know, and you're going to court over porn stars. That's not really, you know, useful to your agenda. But, but still, I mean. Yeah, that stuff is scary, and ultimately, oh, shit, you're scaring me more than I know, CNN right? has. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm that's just one saying. of the most sobering things I've ever heard you say. To me. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, again, you, I mean, I was thinking this was going to happen right away, 
when you know i'm again this is going back to when i was texting my dad before the right after the election i was like yo man they're gonna do some like crazy shit um because again you know hitler comes to power what happens like six months later they burn down the the right right Right. um putin comes to power like six months later they have the russian apartment bombings and i thought he was gonna go for something like that turns out he's too stupid and incompetent to put together some kind of move like that and like actually you know one thing about authoritarians too is like they do care about the procedure of things to make things look like they're legal. Like you put out an executive order that, you know, you wanted to have the like presidential feel. You want it to be all gold, everything. Right. Right. Um, and you know, you still have to do the state of union address. You're not going to break those kind of norms. You need to project that kind of power because that's how Americans are used to seeing power delivered. Um, but like, you know, the more you start to defy things like the courts, the more you start to defy the law, it starts to get more dangerous. And it's like, okay, well, maybe there's not going to be that blatant moment, right? right? That's what we, like you were saying, like you thought it was going to be this huge emergency, like a 9-11 situation, right? right? That never, that didn't come, and hope, I hope it never comes. Right. But as time goes by, something comes, and it's like every day you you keep defying it, to the point where it doesn't even matter and everyone just accepts it. And then when something does happen, it's almost not even an emergency anymore. Right. It's almost just like every day, right? Right. Well, I think I think Las Vegas in some ways the I know it wasn't I know have we defined I mean, the general media hasn't defined it as a, a terrorist attack, right? I mean, it certainly was, it but certainly I was, yeah, right? but they they won't right. do that because it was yeah. uh, you know, an American that perpetrated. And it's right. also clouded in like what was his motivation and why did he do it? No well, one seems to really know. Well, right, but in the end, it's still a terrorist act. Right. But oh, right, the whole right. thing is, this is like a white American man yeah. did it, so they right, want to right, call right. him a terrorist. Right, right. right. Same he thing. He doesn't the, look like a terrorist. Yeah, same right. thing with the Austin bomber. Right. 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 I was about to get to that too, mm-hmm. where I was like, we're less than like it was like two weeks from mm-hmm. that, and if you think about, it, we're less than like what like six or seven months from the Las Vegas. Yeah, Las Vegas is, is only in October. Right, yeah. and I mean, to me, if you, I mean, I can't remember a time when you saw that type of stuff back to back the closest i can remember maybe was uh maybe like after 9-11 within a year we had like the dc sniper mm-hmm. right you know yeah, yeah. or maybe it was a year within two years it was something right. yeah i forget i forget yeah. exactly the timeline of that you know but i was I, I was curious to hear your thoughts on it because um you know i know i know as like a muslim american you've dealt mm-hmm. with a lot since even before even after 9-11 mm-hmm. even um leading up to this election even now you know, I know you're very vocal about the issues that come along with it. I mean, like, I mean, did you have one of those moments where you were just like, "This is what's going to happen. We're not going to call. Him, they're not going to call him a terrorist on, on the news because, because like, you know, he didn't do this over ideology, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, and I guess the question I'm asking for you is like, like, is this something where the media needs to kind of be like a complete like overhaul how we deem these things, how we I don't, I may be asking questions for the choir, but you know. well, this is a, this is a broad question. But uh, I will say, just as far as the media response to that stuff, one of the things that's been confirmed by a lot of this, again, it's it's that it seeps into every day and every part of your life. This is the other thing about living in authoritarianism; it sort of seeps into every other part of your life. Right. And again, this is already was happening before this is what we call being woke right like noticing stuff right and like yeah, I vomited in my mouth here. <laughs> yeah but bit. no but this is like that kind of thing and like to me like that you know like even the concept of wokeness to me is like i was woke in eighth grade when i read the autobiography malcolm x like i kind of already knew that and to your point yeah like living as a muslim post 9 11 like yeah you already saw like the way they treated a muslim person in the media versus the way they were covering like right, right. other types of attackers like the way they covered timothy mcveigh because i remember like right. you know uh oklahoma city bomb and i remember columbine and the way they covered those guys versus the way they cover right, like every right. muslim after 9 11 i mean look how we're covering uh, opiate addiction right uh, right and yeah versus how we covered crack like i i already see through that um so to me, like, that's nothing new. What it's really confirmed, and I think, again, this always goes back to the Trump stuff, like, this goes back to the way Trump was covered, too, at the time. This is not a new thing. White supremacy is baked into American institutionally. Right. And it's baked into the media, too. And it, and also, so is sexism. And that became blatantly obvious after the Me Too movement. Again, it was always there. We always right. knew it. It was never really addressed. Now we talk about it. A lot of the media figures 
that were taken down by Me Too were all the people who were hypercritical of Hillary Clinton. Right. I wonder why that is. You know, the right, same right. one of the guys who wrote that book, Game Change, which is a book I used to, I loved. I remember I read book, Game Change. It was about the 2008 election. Um, Mark uh, ha uh, Happerpin? Happerpin. Mm -hmm. um, and he got taken, he was one of Hillary's harshest critics saying, I don't see any sexism in her coverage. It's like, oh, okay, well, you're a sexist asshole right. is why. Right, and, right. But again, it's like all that stuff is there. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, when we get to this point again, when we're saying, well, do we need an entire overhaul? Well, what are we talking about? Like now we're going to remake all of society. I mean, this and it, this is not just I'm not just trying to make, you know, pin it on that question. But I'm just saying, look at the conversations we're having. Right. This is this is the right. problem where it's like that's not a, I don't know what the solution is. But I, I if we do that, then it's like. You know, I mean, look, I always go back to um, that 60 minute segment with Oprah um, when she did like seven Trump voters and seven non-Trump voters. And they right. argued about literally everything. The one thing they could argue, uh, agree with at the end was, I think we're going to have a civil war soon. That was that was yeah, the one thing like, they were yeah, like, yeah, 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 I think that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. I don't think we can agree. Right. Uh, and it's like, I don't know, you know, if that's in like and the thing is, too, like all that stuff is the great unknown. Like if you right. go into that, you have no idea what's coming on the other side. No way. You know, and. Again, that all that stuff you're talking about is chaos, right? And this is this is the stuff that Bannon wants is chaos, right? right? This is the stuff Trump wants. You know, Trump doesn't really want a strong economy. The weaker economy is chaos. Chaos. Is where that it's is at. true. That's true. I, I was mean, curious to know your thoughts on Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, though. And I think I think we're going to be talking about this for like possibly more than one episode. Yeah, we're going oh, to you know, go um, into it a little more. I think for me, and I think in particular, I want to speak to you just because I, I know like you're in media. Mm -hmm. um, you're not, you're not, you're not completely a shitberg liberal. Um, <laughs> maybe you are. Maybe I am. Why not? Um, but, but more importantly, like, um, it's like I, I know you see things a certain way because you probably you work in social mm -hmm. media just as much. Yeah, right? yeah. For me, when I was when I was listening to um, the the New York Times breakdown of Mar Michael Barbaro's breakdown. Mm -hmm. of oh, the happened. Daily. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's talking about that particular last Wednesday episode mm -hmm. of the Daily. And the thing that struck me was that Cambridge Analytica did what any good marketing team would effectively do, mm -hmm. right? You're supposed to know your consumer, know your client, understand it. Uh, what I think was really al alarming but intriguing was the fact that they use psychographics. And that's mm -hmm. something that's come up in a lot of like marketing classes recently mm -hmm. was like psychographics, right? Because um, even now, conventional marketing and conventional marketing wisdom doesn't account for that. They don't even teach you how to like accurately look at people's psychographics because you have to look at habits. And you mm -hmm. only get habits if you actually spend time with someone. And then that way, you have to really know your consumer or your customer, right? Uh -huh. So I think the question I'm, I'm searching for really is like, what's the difference between marketing and social engineering, right? And I know it's also, it could be a somewhat of a broad question, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts as someone that has deals in social media mm -hmm. as well. I, I don't know the difference that might be an answer for someone who knows a bit more about marketing and psychographs <laughs> and stuff. Um, I do have a lot, of, a lot. But you know where the question's coming I, from. I, I do. I, like I, almost, I get where you're coming from you know. with that. Look, the thing I always say about Facebook is that, you know, with like they always talk about the ads. This is the way I always felt before. Maybe I, it might change as we find out more. But, you know, they're talking about like, oh, Facebook ads. They're like right. servicing you these things. And, and they're listening to your conversations and things like that last time i saw you over the summer mm -hmm. i kid you not one of your one of your colleagues had said oh, i'm gonna this concert at like so this like stadium somewhere in forest hills as he was saying it i got a i got a like a like a facebook event like pop-up nearby yeah. Like, yeah no like sitting there oh really yeah yeah but like it's, it's happening nearby you yeah yeah but here's the thing i always say about that is yeah that's true but it's like Number one, did you actually really want to go to that show anyway? It's like maybe you were more inclined to because you met someone that was going, but it's like, I don't know, I didn't want to go anyway. Facebook can't make me like it. And the thing I always say about all that stuff too is this, like, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, and, and let's see if it works now, because Facebook does listen to your mics. That's the other thing we found oh, yeah. out too. They, as long as you let, allow them to have it on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, if I talk about Tynanol, like oh, I'm thinking about getting some Tynanol, and then <laughs> it's going to be like, buy some Tylenol right. at your nearby, you know, Walmart or something. Like, okay, cool. But uh, no matter how much I talk about the Yeezys, like I really want the Yeezys. That's the product I actually want to buy. The <laughs> right, Yeezy right, shoes. Right, 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 right. They can't give it to me because the product, like I want Supreme. Send me some Supreme. Right, right, Where can right, I get? Yeah. No, you can't Supreme. actually get Supreme, yeah. right? Like 
So to me, that's kind of some of the uh, some of that. And it's like, again, I always found like Facebook and all Internet ads to be so ineffective where they're always trying to sell me something I don't actually want. But I don't know. Maybe that's starting to change and they're getting better as time is going. I think it depends on the person. And I think I do think it's getting better as time goes by. But it's like it's like one of those things like. Right. I don't really eat fast food that much. Right. Right. I try not to. Right. But. When I, uh, I watch, say, a movie I've seen a bunch of times and, like, the McDonald's scene comes up. Like, right. Shit, now I want some McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? Or you watch Super Size Me and then you're like, reverse effect, now I want some McDonald's, <laughs> right? So I think it's sort of that sort of thing. The more they just put it out there, the more right. you see it, the more you start to think about it. So, like, that happens with, say, that concert, right? They don't know you want to go or not. Maybe your friend mentioned it, but your phone heard it. Right. So then, boom, it's there, right? And then as long as you keep seeing that every other day, then it's like, Oh shit! You know, maybe, maybe you do I want to go. go to that concert. Yeah. and you want to know it? It's kind of happened to me because, like, or actually, it, it didn't happen to me, but like, I got a text earlier that, like, apparently, I'm going to a Bruce Springsteen on Broadway show. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I kept seeing it pop up on my thing, right? right. And I know my girlfriend was thinking about it, or and she wasn't necessarily sure. But the more it popped up, popped up, popped up, reminded you, oh, you know, maybe I did want to see that. Boom, now I have tickets to Broadway. I see, I see. You see what I'm saying? Well, so I feel like that's just the way it works. Even if you, they don't care if you may not want it. Or right, do, right. They just heard you talk exactly. about it. Exactly. If they hear it, they keep putting it in your face, maybe you're going to buy maybe it. Right? But the, the thing to me is this. I remember last year, Future played the Barclays Center, and then I was on Instagram seeing it, and I was, right. like all my friends were there. And I'm like, fuck, Future is playing there. I didn't even know he was coming. Like, <laughs> why, where was the ad for that? Uh, boy, why are we no, not no, listening? True, no, true. Where's that's the like, ad for yeah, the thing there? Like, oh, man, I would definitely go to that boy Yeah, like someone should have told where facebook is failing but wait let me let me let me not get lost in the sauce because i think this is a a a marketing convo i want to talk about specifically about the cambridge analytica the part about this story to me that's really getting lost in all of this is the actual scandal to it which is that facebook banned cambridge analytica right Right. but that was like two weeks ago they literally banned face uh cambridge analytica Five hours before the Times and the Guardian ran their pieces that broke the story. Right. They knew what Cambridge Analytica was doing two years ago. Yeah. They didn't care. They knew, like, after the election. They still didn't care. Story they broke. knew 2017. They didn't. And the story didn't even break. They just knew the story was, was coming. coming. Yeah. And we're like, now we're going to do it. That, yeah. to me, is like, you were lying all along. You knew it was wrong. And you were like, now I have to do something. It's like, you shouldn't have waited two years to do it. Right. Um, and the thing about like the Facebook stuff, like I said, this is a lot of the stuff, the deja vu I was talking about where like, you know, we're talking about this today. Uh, again, I was talking about it with someone and it was like, oh, like, you know, we're thinking about deleting Facebook and you know, someone was saying, oh, yeah, I deleted mine like six months ago and I feel great. Uh, you know, I'm f- totally fine. It's like, oh, yeah, but you still use Instagram. So, right. yeah, that's well, true. you know, Facebook owns Instagram. You still like to use WhatsApp. huh? Well, Facebook owns WhatsApp. Go. So, mm, I don't know what to tell you about that. But either way. Right. Facebook is so integral to the part, to the way the internet is consumed. And this is something I'll tell you. It's a great piece that I read today, and I recommend it to everybody and anyone who's interested in media um, on theringer.com. They did a piece about um, comedy websites. um, It was called um, uh, Dying of Laughter or something like that. Um, And it was about sites like College Humor and um, Cracked and The Onion and like... But I, the story they told there, I thought, reflected the story of every media company that I know. And one part, a part of the story is like, you know, you know, they they transit, they were like internet sites in the like pre-social media era, and they were like really popular, and they were like making money. And then like the you know Facebook, Twitter came, and that's where everyone started consuming, and their stuff like exploded. And then like Facebook changed the algorithm, and now their stuff tanked. Right. And now it's like you know it's on a whim of these things. But like literally every media company is at the whim of Facebook. If Facebook changes the algorithm, your traffic can drop, you know, overnight eighty percent, right, drastically. I mean, I, yeah, you, I mean, you see it, right? Like every yeah. website now has to have, right? What what does what every article have, right? Twitter, share Instagram, button. Share, 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 share. It's just like you, you, like you and, said. And no one here and no one I know goes to websites. Nobody right. types in www.newyorktimes.com. Oh, yeah, that's I'm, like. There's a handful of sites maybe like people go to like CNN or like. like BuzzFeed. Or bu- yeah, but no one even goes to <laughs> www. But like no one does that. Yeah. No, like have you ever typed in www.buzzfeed.com? Like, no, no you were on Facebook and a BuzzFeed link you popped up. And you were like, oh, yeah. I like that link. And yeah. that's the way. Uh, like a, a cataclysmic shift of the internet consumption has been in the last five, ten years. Right. Um, and that's the thing I say about all that too is like, it's not gonna go away. Where it's like people are like, oh, delete Facebook or like you know you download your data and find all stuff. It's like, 
Yeah, but I'm I'm not deleting my Facebook. I'm just not going to do it. You just can't do it. Like you said, it's, it's, a it's part become of, a part of life. Now. Yeah. yeah, everybody they pull out you pull out your phone, the Facebook apps. Gonna and be yeah, there, and even the people that I know it. who do it, right. they still have Instagram, of so course. it doesn't make yeah. a difference. Right, they right. had something relate relating to Facebook. Yeah. and yeah. you know what, the thing for me too. Again, after the election too, uh, one of the things that I really realized, and you know, again from the reports and stuff, I was like, man, I spent all my time arguing on Twitter and doing stuff on Twitter, but I realized Twitter was like a specific kind of audience that I had. And right. I was like, Facebook's really where it's at, where I can get regular people. Like right. Twitter is me and all my media friends. And like, although as one of your Facebook friends, I have seen some comments from some of your other Facebook friends. <laughs> oh, legit sounded like they were like riding the Trump wave. A little no, bit. he was, he, no, I know who you're talking about. Exactly, he's like, oh, yeah, yes, he I know exactly what you're talking about. No, no, no. I, and yeah, like, and, but then like, I, I wanted to like engage and argue with other people all the time and like right. try to influence that discourse and at least have something going right. on. But like, yeah, like my entire Facebook feed is entirely dedicated and I post several times a day now on Facebook. I used to like post anytime, like maybe if I wrote an article like personally or right. something I really, really enjoyed, I'll share it. But right. I never wrote like up status updates or right, anything. Right. Like I stopped doing that in like 2009 or something. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, but no, I spent all my time writing, uh, you know, just basically sharing anti-Trump content. And like, you know, a lot of my friends tell me like, hey, man, like you're really keeping us informed. You're like my news. You're like my trusted right, right, source right, right. Of, right, right, to follow right, the news. Right. And I was like, yeah, this has become important. This has become like a megaphone and I have to use it all the time. Right. And Facebook, I found it to be more effective for that specific kind of thing. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's now how I spend my time and the, and the stuff that I do on there. So, yeah, like Facebook is a part of like the internet and you know look for a lot of people especially in foreign countries the facebook is the internet yeah um, yeah no i know what you mean this is yeah. no, uh, this is something that i i found uh, again like this is the other thing too like i said zuck is a liar he's a proven liar now because he's lied several times all the stuff he said about privacy he said that like six years ago oh, yeah, yeah you know we really care about we're very passionate about privacy at facebook right. you know it's like yeah all right who, who the fuck is passionate about <laughs> privacy uh, but yeah, like one of the things I remember it was, and it's so like dishonest and dis and disgenuine of him, where it's like you know, um, there was like, oh, I'm gonna provide free internet to kids in India, like to poor kids in like China or whatever, mm -hmm. like some you know third world countries or whatever it was, right? And it's like, oh yeah, cool, you gave them like computers that have like internet on them, except the internet that they got is facebook right, cool. and when they go onto the internet you don't go to like the internet you right. just go straight to facebook, straight on facebook and they start using facebook and it's like oh facebook is the internet right and that's and again that's kind of the way we all use the internet now like right. we don't really go to websites we go to facebook to get to another website right. and it's become like a portal um and you know one of the things like i said one of my friends who was saying they quit facebook they were like oh well you know one thing that's annoying is when you have to log on to a site and i can't use my facebook logon anymore because you know you can go to a site and like log on through facebook and it's like yeah that was what his plan was like right. facebook is the universal passport to the internet it just you filters gotta, you to everything else yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like well you know that's and like again how is this stuff going to change zuck is going to have to testify He's going to have to go testify. Yeah, they got him looking like Michael Corleone. Yeah, and, <laughs> and one of the things about it, too, is last time he did, him and Sheryl Sandberg and all them, like, they were very focused on keeping, I heard, the, the photo of him swearing in, you know, that mm -hmm. right hand up. Like, that's the photo they don't want on there, but, like, right. that's not going to go skip this time. Again, if Zuck testified, it won't be quite as riveting as Comey, but it's kind of close. Yeah. He's like, right? He just if his his congressional testimony at you know twelve p.m. like right. I, I'd watch that shit. And he is not a he is not a good talker. Like no, he's he, awful. he oh, sweats yeah. profusely. Oh, yeah. He never blinks. <laughs> he's like a weird robot kid. Yeah. Um, so I got I fla flashes flashback to AI or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I yeah. I don't I don't know where, how all this stuff is gonna play out. But like Facebook. I mean, and the thing with Cambridge Analytica too, like their product is us, right? We kind of already knew this. Right. We accepted that a long time ago. The thing is, is like he's gonna he's gonna have to he'll, like he's he's gonna have to testify, right? And he's mm -hmm. probably gonna eat some shit for a while. But in the end, Facebook's just not gonna go anywhere, man. Like you're saying, it's too yeah. it's too integral. Now. It's like it's just, and, and Facebook yeah. stock was going down. Right. You know, I mean, he had to release a statement. The stock went down, and maybe like twenty points and like five percent. Right. You know, you enter the bull market. It's back up today. It's like yeah, it's only course. up a percent or whatever. It's not up a ton, but it's like it's not going straight down. And right. it's like, yeah, okay, maybe it's not as great as everybody thought, or it's bad, but it's like it's just as bad as we already kind of knew. Yeah. Right. Um, it's almost like finding out, like, oh, cigarettes give you cancer. I kind of knew cigarettes gave me. I knew I already knew McDonald's made you fat. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know what the future of that stuff is. But to me, the the real issue with all of this is that 
they're proven liars now. They've right. lied multiple times about privacy. Right. Um, and, you know, the idea to your point about like, oh, like, you know, how how effective is like marketing, how effective is like the social graphing and all this stuff. They're going around telling people, telling marketers, telling politicians, give me your money because we know exactly what people want. And right. if you'll, you know, use our data, you'll get exactly the kind of stuff. And look, the other thing with Cambridge Analytica that's so dirty about it is that like Peter Thiel was a part of it and who's a Trump supporter. Bannon was a part of it. Also, obviously, a Trump supporter. So Mercers, like, the yeah. Mercers are behind us. So like it all starts to kind of line up, you know. There's something to that, so I don't know. I mean, again, Ted Cruz used it and it didn't help, but that's because <laughs> they hate Ted Cruz. And they're like, "Fuck you, Ted Cruz. We'll take your money and not help you." <laughs> so, right. um, so thank you, yeah, thank, thank you for, having for me. joining us Thanks on the eight a.m. shift. The eight a.m. shift, imparting oh, us early. with uh, various wisdoms. <laughs> you scared early. me more than I thought. I could. Uh, listen, I'm scared all the time, man. Um, oh, look, I will end with some hopeful notes. And I'll say that the the kids from Parkland are the most inspiring kids I've ever seen. They're like fucking heroes. Um, and you know, uh, this is a part of what we do too. Like we, you know, like I said, and after 2016, I was like, I need to fight every single day. Right. And doing stuff like this is a part of that. And like having this conversation all the goddamn time, and forcing in people, and not letting it go, and not just you know, kind of being like, oh, he's the racist uncle he can be. Like, no, we got to confront it all the fucking time. Right. Unfortunately, that is where we're at. So, and we're doing that, and we're really starting to make some progress. Um, and yeah, look, you know, we're talking about the Vegas thing. After the Vegas thing. They were like banning bump stocks seemed like the most obvious, simple thing. Couldn't right. even get that done. Didn't even and uh, the Department of Justice came out and said, we don't have the right to regulate right. Uh, bump stocks. Well, the day before the march, the Parkland, uh, you know, the, the March for Our Lives, the day before it, the Justice Department came out and said, we're going to ban bump stocks. Right. So why? Because they're scared. They're literally they're like, shook. Let's give them something. We'll give yeah. them an inch. They're yeah. literally shook. And again, you know, to go back to our Putin stuff, why did Putin, you know, interfere in the election the way he did? Is because he was... Yeah, partly because he hated Hillary Clinton, but partly because he was shook after what happened with the Arab Spring. Because people in the streets scare dictators, and dictators are always authoritarian. They always seem so all powerful, and then the next day they just topple, and it's like no one saw it coming. Right? right? It's like it's they seem invincible, and it's like the thing they're all afraid of is us. If we're really in the streets, we're really about that, right. and. If we all went out there, if all the people, you know, 3 million people went to the Women's March and 1.2 million people went to, you know, um, the March for Our Lives, if we all went out there, four, five, six, ten million people, because you know there's that many people who care about this, then we'd have real change. So Get them shaking in their boots. There you go. Cool. Cool. Thanks again for being on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So... That was my good friend Insanol. Yeah, that was uh, it's, uh He was an awesome dude, and it was uh, you know he had a lot of interesting things to say, man. Yeah, and he, he scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I couldn't believe, could you know, I could be scared even more. But yeah, Insanol oh yeah. Did Any anyhow, um, have a great week, shifters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you're not shaking in your boots. Um, uh, yeah, have a good week. Uh, get out and watch Wild Wild Country because uh, you know I think you'll enjoy it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Follow us wherever you can follow us on the gram, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe. Uh, let's let's push them towards like the 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 pod, exactly. uh, Apple podcast and and Stitcher and Google like, Play. Google Play everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Find us. Yeah, cool. cool. Later, shifters. Later. Later.